Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi. I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today I'm talking to Tony at Bloom Training about some of the misconceptions that we commonly hear in social media about weight loss. You can find him on Instagram at Train Bloom. Tony Bloom, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Glad to be here. What's up, man? I've, I've been looking at your IG and I really admire what you do. And I want to know how you how you got here, how you escaped the uh, the noise of fad diets that are kind of omnipresent in this space and how you arrived where you are. Oh, I'll try and give a Cliff Notes version, <laughs> try and shorten it up a little bit. I mean, this, I've been in this industry for probably over just about 10 years now. Um, and honestly, when I first got started, when I was a younger kid, and it was you know probably stemming from some places of like insecurity growing up getting picked on or whatever that was. But I think when I started to notice getting into fitness a little bit more, and I'm wondering if you went through the same, I really got frustrated when I would spend a lot of my time and effort and energy in doing something. It was when I was first started working with a coach or a trainer and, you know, you put a lot of effort and energy into something and months down the road, you're not seeing any results, any progress and come to learn you've been doing the wrong thing this entire time. And that would frustrate the heck out of me, right? Like, I mean, one example, I think when it was a new fad, even though, you know, there's practical uses for intermittent fasting today, I think I went six to eight months trying intermittent fasting, thinking it's gonna be like the magic bullet, right? I'm gonna lose body fat. I'm gonna look jacked. I'm gonna build muscle. And like six to eight months later, all this effort of like starving myself through the day, because I'm a hungry guy, you know, I look the exact same and I start to look more and more into it, read more about it. I'm like, oh, there's nothing magic about this, right? It's just a different kind of style of meal timing. 
And I was frustrated. I'm like, that was six months of all this effort just gone to waste. And I kind of come to realize now after I started making that more my career that a lot of people feel the same frustration. I think that's where a lot of wheels get stuck spinning today. And I think the biggest reason of what's missing, I guess, behind that is the education and understanding piece behind it, right? People, I would love to jump into new things, but they don't have confidence of why they're doing it or why it's actually going to work besides like, oh, this guy, you know, with a shirt off on Instagram told me or this, you know, whatever it is. So that was my goal is, is to kind of be a voice and there's great voices. I mean, you had Lane Norton on your podcast, right? Mike Matthews, some great voices that do that. But I think overwhelmingly it's the opposite, but I wanted to be that voice to give people confidence and understanding to kind of implement the best training and nutrition into their own lives instead of trying to sell my version or my specific way. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. And, and, and I had uh, a similar thing with keto where it was sold to me as like, you can eat whatever you want as long as it's of these types of food. Right. And so that to me was easy. And, and what would happen is I would lose weight. And, and so that I just kept coming back to it over and over again, but I would lose weight and then I would stop losing weight and I wouldn't Mm -hmm. lose weight anymore. And I'd be like, I'm, I'm fucking this up. Something I'm doing is fucking this up. I'm stalling it. Yeah. And it got to the point where I was just doing like a a weird starvation keto. It's like, oh, I I know if I'm if I do keto plus I'm hungry all the time. I still wasn't counting calories or tracking anything. I just knew I had to be kind of hungry all the time. Never eat to real satisfaction. And then I'd start losing weight again. And I realized that I was just in a caloric deficit at that point. You know, like the the keto aspect was giving me no benefit. It was helping me purge some hydration in the beginning. Mm. And that was the weight loss I always saw the first week or two of keto. Um, So so I I, I totally know what you're saying. Spinning your wheels, doing this thing. And I I, like, you know, if somebody if somebody's body functions better or they feel better eating fats instead of carbs as a source of fuel, I, I have nothing against that, but I do think that selling anything as magic or like a, a, a one trick pony that will handle everything. I, I think it's just disingenuous. Yeah. And it, it, it hurts sometimes. Cause at first I got frustrated and like, why are people selling things like this? And honestly, I kind of came to the point where I'm like, I kind of think, these people, most people aren't just lying and trying to rip people off. I think most people are coming from a good place, but a lot of the people that do sell those anecdotes, right? Keto, fasting, whatever it is, they really truly believe that it is that magic bullet. Like it is going to solve everything. And, you know, one thing that we talk about on, uh, I have a great co-host on a podcast. And one thing that we really try to nail down is like the communication aspect of everything. Cause I think that's, a major key in how everything is kind of getting twisted and turned around is, is not what it is, but how it's communicated. And I think a lot of people, I mean, let's say someone loses a hundred pounds on keto, right? Like, which you kind of went through, which I love your story. I did lose about a hundred pounds on keto. There we go. Right. So let's say you lost it. You felt great. You know, you weren't feeling terrible or anything, but you felt great. And you know, the industry will kind of come in and try and change this person's mind. And I think the last thing that's going to change that person's mind is how people approach it today. Like, you know, here's a systematic review and meta-analysis and here's 20 studies. I feel like if you just show that to someone who just lost hundred pounds during keto, 
that's only going to dig their feet in further to that kind of camp. Yeah. You know, it's kind of camp versus camp instead of just trying to kind of have a, like an open and clear communication of, Hey, like you got to understand this person's been struggling their entire life with their weight. And this might be the first thing that ever worked. Right. So you're just telling them that's wrong. Their reality is that's not wrong. So, it, you know, I think it's how we communicate. It's such a massive step in getting everyone to kind of hopefully see the same as, I mean, from listening to you more as you and I do, you know, yeah. it's so individualized. I, yeah, that that's that's the real key to it, right? Is individual individualization because like I had another guy try to sell me on the lectin diet because it cleared up a rash for him or he believes it cleared up a rash for him. I don't know mm. if it was if he changed his detergent also or <laughs> yeah. moved, right? But like he had this eczema type rash and he went on the no lectin diet and it cleared up and then he came to me in all sincerity saying like, this is the diet you should do. And, and my reaction was, but I don't have that rash. That's not, I'm not trying to fix a skin problem with my diet. I'm yeah. overweight. Like what, is, how are these two things the same? He genuinely believed that everybody should be on this lectin diet. And I, 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 I guess I understand that, but like, even with just being obese, I'm like, I don't even know that everybody has to not be obese. I don't really care. I mm. really didn't want to be obese. Yeah. And it was a real struggle. And I, I suspect many people who are obese don't want to be obese. And that's kind of where I'm operating from, but I'm not like some religious guy saying everybody should lose weight and here's how, yeah. you know? Oh, exactly. Well, and I think that's like what I think is kind of cool about and I appreciate about your story of going up and down is like it's one of my and I think you're big into this kind of style of learning and communication, more like mental models and different ways to think. Have you ever heard of Shane Parrish of the uh -uh. Farnham Street blog? No, I feel like you would absolutely love him, but he has a book called Mental Models and it's kind of just reframing the way you think. And one of the first pieces he covers is, is a quote called the map is not the territory. And I think a lot of times, especially on social media, but how these diets or plans are kind of portrayed is kind of drawing like a really good map. And sometimes people think that that map is more real than reality, right? Like a map of reality is just kind of more like a reduction. It's trying to make this complex thing of life and like make it really, really simple. Yeah. And sometimes it feels more real than reality does, right? So for example, like, have you ever gone camping before? Sure. Like if you have a map to go camping, like I grew up in Colorado, right? And you're going to hike up and you're going to go to a 14 and you're going to camp a few nights. You could have a great map of what that's going to look like. But when you actually go into it and you start hiking and you start going down that day-to-day -day path, it doesn't tell you, that map doesn't tell you, oh, the river flooded. And now this part of the trail is completely gone and you're going to be stuck here. Or it doesn't tell you if you're going to go encounter this kind of weather or this is going to take you off map. And I think people forget that sometimes, like when they actually start and do it, you're going to encounter 10, 100 times more unforeseen events than the perfect map could ever relay for you. Right. You know, and I think that's something you gain when you actually go through something like that is you start to realize whatever anyone else is selling you that sounds simple. You're like, it, it's just not, it can't be that simple because re like reality isn't that simple. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, I'm often baffled because if it was as simple as many of these things purported to be, it would be solved. Like yeah. if, if the solution is there, everybody who tried that solution would have won and there would be like no discussion about it, you know? So, yeah. so th that's the one thing that 
I do start to bang my, cause I, I get people online occasionally who are like, you're wrong about keto. And I'm like, how am I wrong? I, you know, what's wrong about what I'm saying? It didn't, it didn't have the effects for me that I wanted it to have. And therefore mm. I don't do it anymore. That's all I'm saying. And they're yeah, like, you're, well, yeah, you're definitely not absolute about it. You, you know, you're wrong. You, you didn't do it right. Or something, or like it, this study shows that, you know, in the long term, you burn more energy if blah, blah, blah. And it's like, who fucking cares? It didn't yeah. work for me. Yeah. That's, and it's always the, the, the camps that people kind of choose to die on. It's absolutely insane where it's like people, they have to be right versus wrong. It's like, sometimes you don't have to be right. I mean, you know, this from being in a relationship, right? Like sometimes you just don't have to be right. <laughs> That's right. okay. Yeah. But especially when it comes to these different diets. And I mean, it, dude, it's confusing for people though. I think going through it on, on who to trust nowadays. And I hate to say this because I think most people get their nutrition, their diet, their training advice on social media. I think for the vast majority of people. I think so too. It's, you know, it's kind of, a, I mean, there's definitely positives to it. You know, people can reach and, and discover new things that they've never discovered, but there's like an overwhelming just amount of crap that people can get, you know, fall into. And uh, I forget who I was listening to on one of your podcasts, but they kind of brought up the point that social media kind of feeds you what you want to see. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, same thing with Google though. Like if you're jumping on keto, depending on how you Google the question that you're trying to answer, it's going to feed you specific results. Like why is keto the best diet? It's going to give you reasons why it's a good diet. It's not going to give you anything against it, yeah. you know? So it's just going to kind of confirm any bias that someone might has, but online, especially it's, it's an almost impossible world to navigate. And that's what I'm trying to kind of help with this communication piece, because it's hard to really tell who to trust. You know, there's, yeah. there's, qualified people who are wrong and there's unqualified people who are right. And I think people are just kind of sitting there like what am, as their health is getting worse and worse and worse, not knowing where to go. I have an interesting anecdote to, to back up exactly what you're saying, but it was in real life. It wasn't even online, but it's about that, the, the desire for an answer and mm. searching out that I went to a doctor many years ago, 10 years ago, I was doing eight hours of cardio a day to lose mm. weight and basically starving myself. I just rode road bikes up mountains all day mm. long. And then I'd come home exhausted and not eat and get up and do it again. And I went in to see Dr. Heisenga. Have you ever, ever heard of Dr. Heisenga? Heard of the heard of the name, not super familiar with the work. But yeah. He was, you're probably a little younger, but the, the first iteration of The Biggest Loser, he was the sports medicine doctor on that. And he's a dope mm. doctor. He's an amazing guy. But I went in there because... I believed I needed to lose 20 more pounds and I wanted him to, I wanted a doctor to tell me you got 20 pounds to go. I weighed yeah. about 250 at the time and mm -hmm. it, all cardio, my, very little upper body strength. And I go in and he looks at me and he goes, and he goes, so what are you here to see? And I said, I'm, I'm thinking about my diet. I think I probably got about 20 pounds to go. And he looks at me and he goes, you got a lot more than 20 to go. And so immediately I'm crushed, right? Yeah, I'm like, dagger to the heart. <laughs> I'm killing myself every day. And he says, we'll determine this through a DEXA scan. We're going to go put you through this machine. We do the DEXA scan, takes a while, come back to the office. He finally comes back to read it. And he goes, uh, there's some mistake here. You got to do it again. And I'm like, oh my God, go and do the DEXA scan again. Come back to his office. This takes hours. And he comes back in and he goes, I was completely wrong. You are 14% body fat right now. You are done. You don't have to lose any weight. I, I couldn't, I can't see it by looking at you, but you're in great shape. Yeah. 
And then I was like, what the fuck does this guy know? I need to lose 20 pounds. He's wrong. Like I was no matter what he said, unless yeah. he said the one thing I wanted to hear, he was going to be wrong. And yeah. I think that's kind of what we do with social media also. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head because that's that's at least if it's not even just in fitness in some aspect, I think everyone in some aspect of their life does that. I'm guilty of it time to time, but it's like you're, you're looking for one answer and you're really just looking for something to support that instead of just going and acting on it on your own, Yeah, which it's hilarious. Right? You go to the doctor, it takes all this time and it's like, nope, you're good. It's like, nope, you're good. on to the next. I'm not. Yeah, um, I got to go find somebody who will tell me to lose 20 pounds and, th and then I'll be good. Yeah. And it's it's really hard to change your mind about a given topic. And I think that's something that I've had to really dedicate time towards getting better at over the last few years of my life, because changing your mind is, it's really challenging. And I, I mean, I got to honestly attribute it to uh, the current relationship I'm in for the last few years, right? I, I kind of learned about this one that I've I had this weird tendency where I really always wanted to be right. And even if I realized halfway down the road, I was wrong in the disagreement, I would still almost just want to kind of pedal down. And I noticed myself doing that, but it's, I think a lot of people do have that hard time changing your mind. And I mean, I think it's, it comes down to probably again, simplifying the fact that changing your mind is, is hard and it usually takes time. It doesn't just happen at like an event or an instant, Yeah, you know, like, like a good example. I think, oh, what was this great, but it was this great book. I don't know if you're, if you listen to audiobooks or anything, I think it's called mistakes were made and then in parentheses, but not by me. And <laughs> it kind of goes, awesome. and it was well, great. Cause it kind of goes over this exact bias of like, why everyone's like, of course, like something went wrong, but it's like, couldn't have been my fault. Couldn't have been my fault. Put the blame somewhere else. Yeah. And it kind of, it brings up a good point of, you know, a lot of people can really, I don't like talking about politics too much, but in, you know, going from a switch of, if you grew up Democrat and now when you're 30, 40, you're Republican or vice versa, you grew up Republican. Now you're Democrat. That belief system didn't just change at an instant, right? It was right. hundreds, if not thousands of ways that you were observing the world that slowly kind of moved the needle from one direction to the other, but for some reason in nutrition and training, people expect it to just flip, right? right. Like I believe keto is the best thing in the world. And their goal is to get that person to now believe the truth about it yeah. instead of just trying to take a step closer and a step closer and a step closer. And that was a hard thing for me to realize because so many people on online, that's just the arguments that start is who's right. Who's right. And not like, is there any middle ground that we could fall into? Right. And that's progress, you know? But do you find the argument becomes it, it, it changes? Because for me, the conversation will always only be weight loss. That's all I really give a shit about. Like, I mm. think there's probably many metrics that could be used to increase a person's health. Yeah. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Like, I, I, I don't really care. I'm I'm interested in weight loss because that's been the thing I battled so often when talking about diet it'll subtly change to health instead of weight loss. And my contention will always be, if you lose weight, it will increase all health metrics. So why are you trying to sell me on broccoli if <laughs> really, if we're just talking about health, but it becomes like, well, do you know how, you know, and it can be now, it can be broccoli's bad for you, right? So your health is adversely <laughs> yeah. affected by broccoli. And that's the craziest one. Yeah, that one cracks me up. Shirtless guy in the grocery store saying, hey, man, <laughs> stay away from spinach. It's going to kill you. It's like, OK, right. <laughs> let's bump the brakes a little bit. But it's I agree with you, because, I mean, the funniest thing is, even though we we recorded a podcast on uh, low 
carb or ketogenic diets before that, like last week, actually. And it was a funny story because it's like whenever you compare high to low carb diets, you know, relatively matching for calorie deficits, like you're going to lose the same weight all the time. And health metrics are going to improve right. because of the weight loss. And that's usually the, the biggest case is insulin sensitivity, uh, glucose metabolism. Everything improves, but it's not because of a special diet, because you can see you can go higher, low carb and all those numbers improve by doing that. And I think you're right. I think sometimes when people are arguing, and this is the, the thing that I just like can't grip sometimes is they're taught, they're having two different conversations. They're yeah. arguing completely past each other. Where like you said, like one person might be saying, well, I think this might be best for me because this is my goal to lose weight. And someone else is arguing against it, but with a completely separate goal in mind. Yeah. And it's like, they'll go back and forth and back and forth. And there's not an insight even possible because they're not talking about the same thing. Yeah. They, you cannot have a resolution if you're talking about different things. Language is so complicated. And I feel like we, as a society have gotten deep into the weeds lately, just about language. What do you yeah. mean by what you said versus like, well, my intention was this. And like, and then when it comes to definitions of words, and I get that language evolves and definitions change, and it always has, so we can't expect that to stop. But it's like, sometimes, you know, we're going to excise the word diet from our vocabulary because it's upsetting to people. You know, it has two great definitions that are very useful in language. Yeah, extremely useful. And that's what the, I mean, diet's a perfect word to bring up for it. I mean, a diet technically is just talking about the food that makes up your day-to-day -day life. It doesn't right. mean that you're dieting to lose weight. It doesn't mean, even though it can be used as a reference like that, but that's such a huge point on definitions because, and this is honestly even a problem in the coaching world. One of my businesses is one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I've even noticed a lot of coaches when they'll use the word calorie, for example, because people like to use the word calorie deficit and make it seem like the easiest, simplest, least complex thing in the world. It's like, okay, like it's much, much deeper than I think you're making it out to be. But they'll use this word. And I think a lot of the times they couldn't even define the word in the first place. Right. You know, and I think even if you're talking to people on the street, if you pulled 100 people and said, OK, you've heard the word. Everyone's heard the word calorie. What does it mean? Define yeah. calorie for me. I think you'd almost get a, if you interviewed 100 people, 100 different answers. And that's where I think a real problem starts is we're, if we're having conversation when we can't we don't even know we're talking about the same word. I mean, you're essentially speaking in two different languages. Like, where are you trying to get? If that's the case. And, and yeah. I mean, again, that's a basic word like calorie, which is fundamental to body composition change. You know, one of those things that's huge. It is. It, I mean, and calorie is a great word, too. I want to run by my understanding of it just so I know that I that I'm right or you tell me where I'm wrong. But it's basically dealing with the amount of energy it requires the body to work to utilize the energy you're putting into it. Is that yeah. right? It's yeah. It's essentially, it's a unit of measurement for energy. For energy. And I, and I think that's what most people like. The first, the best kind of analogy I like to use them. I mean, you can't pick up, like you can't touch or hold a calorie. It's a unit of measurement, more like a mile or an inch or something right. like that. And people are like, wait a second, what? Like I thought calories were in my burger or something like that. It's like, right. no, it's not a thing. It's a unit of measurement. Yeah. And that's where this whole conversation, when people are arguing like a calorie is not always a calorie. I'm like, well, by definition it is, right? Like you can you can fill that up and you can use them in different ways and they can influence your body in different ways. But by definition it is, Yeah. you know? So I think when people start taking that off, it's like, okay, well, for stripping down and not using definitions anymore, 
it's just a dangerous game to play because it could end up anywhere yeah. except for the truth or the answer. It's crazy because in generic terms, I find myself using the word energy instead of calorie in conversation mm. with people because I don't want to upset them because I don't want to throw, you know what I mean? Like old school, uh, lifelong dieters who have been in and out of the weeds they don't like this word. It's a bummer to them. You know what I mean? Just like diet is. And so I, I will start saying just energy because energy is not as scary yet. Maybe it will become scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it was on, I mean, I think it was TikTok last year banned the term calorie deficit. So if it was Fuck. in a video, it literally would come up. And if you searched it, it would bring you to an eating disorder hotline. Oh my God. And like, this is a big, and I actually was working with someone on their team at a time. I was like, hey, this is a slippery slope. If we start playing, if we can't talk about basic scientific terms, you know, what are we going to be able to talk about? I think this might be only making the problem worse, but you're exactly right. You know, and I think the problem is the people that take a little offense to those terms don't fully understand what they actually mean. And that's why I think they're, they find them, you know, scary because yeah. people just find things they don't really know scary. You know, you're scared of the dark because you don't know what's there. So I yeah. think that might be what's happening. I mean, even the scale, you know, even when I'm maintaining my weight and actively trying to maintain my weight, I get on the scale and see the same number or a number one or two pounds on either side of the number I'm maintaining, or even two or three. And it's a bummer. You know what I mean? Like if it's not progressively going down, even when I'm intentionally holding my weight, it's mm. a bummer. So I, so I understand it, but I have a conversation with myself before I get on the scale and I go, here's what I'd like to see. Here's what I've been working towards. And if I see this, then I'm doing the right thing. So to buffer myself, you know, I'm not scared of the scale, but it it is still a drag. Yeah, it is. A, especially if, if people have ever struggled with weight gain or weight loss, it's a big mental block and mental hurdle to get over. Cause I mean, you know, that weight's just a one metric right. to measure progress, you know, your composition, Everything goes into it. So the scale, which can fluctuate multiple pounds a day, it still is that mental block because it's a number that you just stare at. And even though it might be reflective of, you know, I'll have clients that for the first seven days will knock out everything perfect. And like you said, like the weight might go up a pound when the goal is it for it to go down. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, it's not working. Nothing's happening. Like, I'm like, you've been doing everything perfect. I'm like, please, please wait. And I think that's, I mean, it's just, it's the mental game, but I'm glad like you have a conversation with yourself. Yeah. You know? What am I expecting? If it's not what I'm expecting, is there a reason why? And is that reason why? Is it legitimate? Right. Like if it did stay stagnant, it's like, well, why? It's like, right. oh, well, I'm not actively trying to lose weight. Oh, well, that actually makes sense then. Like, yeah. I don't have to feel as bad about it. But I like have to, like, as though I'm a child and then there's an adult version of me, I have to kind of hold my hand through <laughs> it, which feels so silly. And yet, otherwise, I can get bummed. And, you know, like, if, if, if a word like calorie bummed me out, I would try to have a conversation with myself about what that word actually meant, how it's not trying to do me harm, how I can use it, what, what that data will give me if it's useful and then proceed forward. But, you know, I'm not saying everybody has to do that. Um, yeah. You don't want to hear about calories and you want to change the name of diet sodas. Okay. That's fine. We can have just zero sugar diet sodas. I thought it was cooler when it was diet. Sounds better. Sounds better to me, but a hundred percent. It's like, you kind of have those conversations, but I think I'm like the same way I noticed if I ever get like hurt or like in a, in a negative kind of mindset or mood about something, it's, you know, you ask yourself why a few times 
And a lot of the times I'll end up with the conclusion of like, oh, I really don't understand what I'm upset about like, as, right. as much as I thought I did. And I think that's a lot of people who choose to get upset about specific things in this industry. It's like if, if they can't, you know, I think this is a good rule too, a good rule of thumb I was talking to with Mike Matthews the other day about is if you can't make a solid, you know, three or five point argument for the other side before you talk to them about having this conversation, it's like, then you might not fully understand that topic well enough to have that conversation. You know, if you can't right. build the other side's argument up for them, yeah. then maybe you don't understand it well enough to have that conversation. I think yeah. sometimes people get you know carried away just with that bias that keeps getting confirmed on social media a hundred times a day or whatever it is. Yeah. I, 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 I really appreciate what you're saying. And I, and I, I, I really like doing that at the end of the day, I always come down to this idea that it's all relative and, and, you know, outside of, saying fat loss is achievable without being in an energy deficit. I'm like, anything we're talking about is just what you prefer. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and like, but not recognizing that because I can recognize it myself. Most of what I'm saying is just what I prefer. But when you have the other side where it becomes religious and it's like, no, no, I'm adhering to data that, proves I am correct, not for myself, but for you as well. Mm. It's like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to proceed from there, you know? Yeah. It's, it's tricky when you get in those conversations, right. When, when you do, and you have this solid reasoning, but it's, you know, and it's again, to that point of changing someone's mind, it's like, it's almost impossible to change someone, but you kind of have to, <laughs> you have to really go in it and change the way they see the world, which takes a lot of time. And it's hard because oftentimes these people have a lot of what they would call evidence, just like you would use to support their findings, or at least in their head, right? And it might not be as legitimate or from a credible source or from anything else, but in their head, they've got just as much ammunition, Yeah, you know? And I think that's the problem. And I think it's a big problem. I mean, on social, I don't know how much time you spend on social media, but I think- I my try not to spend a lot of time. I go on there and post. I don't always read comments. I, I yeah. try, it's, it's hit or miss for me. Yeah. Dangerous place to be. Cause I mean, there's even my friend, Ben Carpenter was talking about this. Uh, he called it the white coat epidemic on social. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Have you heard of that before? Scientist, no, but I well, it's, I well so now it. on social media, right? It's all short form video, and it, the goal is pretty much hook the person as quickly as you can, right? Move the climax to the first two seconds of whatever you're about to tell them, right. no matter if it's truthful or if it's moral or if it's anything else, because there's been like a, a massive spike now of people who will put on scrubs or a white coat and a stethoscope and just start giving out and handing advice, and people will die and be like, "This person told me this. I know to trust them because they're a doctor." Right. And I think a famous one, and he's, he's actually a great guy, but he will start to bend the lines a little bit, um, giving advice. And I think it was when I didn't look into it until I think he said creatine increases growth hormone by like 24 times. If you take it at like a super high dose, I'm like, okay, I, like, I wish that was true. I, I was like, creatine's cool, but it's, it's not that cool. And I started looking into it and I'm like, cause people will follow, I mean, a cult like following for this guy, diet, nutrition, endocrine or hormone advice. And I found out he's, he's just a, he's a dentist. <laughs> no nutrition background, no nutritional school, just a dentist who chooses to wear a stethoscope and stuff. And people say, oh, it's, it's doctor, whatever. That's his username. Right. I trust him to, you know, to the grave. And I think it's just that massive piece. I think uh, at least people are starting to realize that. I think the best example is of Dr. Oz, yeah. you know, back in his time, right. He was named America's doctor by Oprah, top hundred people in time magazine for in most influential people. But they actually had to put a study on afterwards. I don't know if you're familiar with this, mm -hmm. checking the claims and the data behind them that he made on his show. And they found that less than half of the claims he made on his show had any data oh, to back man. it. Less than half. And this is right. something on you know national TV giving health advice, more just selling supplements and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, titles Was he are a real doctor? He is a real doctor. I think he worked okay. in a New York hospital. Okay. But I mean, that's what it is. It's like titles alone don't, I think mean as much as they used to. Yeah. You know, like there are great and phenomenal doctors and there are people like that, that step out of their lane and there's great dietitians and there's ones that, you know, I started working on a book with a dietitian. I had to pull out after about two months because I realized they would believe in diets, like the medical median diet, right? Talking I don't even ghosts. know what that is. Oh my God. They, uh, they, the media, like, yeah. And I'm like, she I'm has like, a diet. There's a medical medium who's like Lances. getting uh, dietary advice from the afterlife or something. And this person that believed in it went through dietitian schooling, right? Much more, not a nutritionist, like a dietitian, right? Went to six to eight years of schooling, had to carry and pass the board, went through all this and still would bring that forward, right? Like there's, there's, there's super credible people who are so, so wrong. And there's super credible people or uncredible people who are right. And it's, I mean, it's a mess when you, when you're trying to look for a direction to believe, because before it was like, Oh, a doctor, I can trust what they say, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's gotten, that's gotten all out of whack. Just, I, I don't know that there's any single source where it's just like anything this person says is going to be absolutely right all the time ever. People get shit wrong. Yeah. I mean, I even, I'll even tell my, the people who follow me, I'm like, don't just blindly follow what I say. Like, I, I'm going to do my best to educate you. But I'm like, if you're going to start to act, I'm like, 
check other people that you really trust and believe. Cause I mean, trust, especially at least in my opinion, when it comes to health and nutrition, you, you want to be taking advice and you might not know they're always right, but if you can trust them, I think that's a huge piece. And I think right. trust when it comes to your health is, I mean, kind of like a relationship. You don't want someone who you can trust 90% of the time or like 95% of the time, because, you know, trust is kind of like an all or nothing thing. Sometimes like in a relationship or a marriage, it's a hundred percent. You don't want 98%. And I think like people like Lane Norton or things like that, he's been wrong before. He'll come out and say that, you know, but it's like that trustworthy transparency. It's like, that's the thing where that person at least isn't going to intentionally lead you down the wrong path. Yeah. You know? and I also feel like the things that he's been wrong about have been stuff where it's like, all right, that, that wouldn't whatever I remember when he was wrong about something and talked about it. And it was like, okay, whatever you were talking about, wasn't going to really sway me one way or the other, you mm -hmm. know, it, 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 so yeah, I agree. He is one of those guys where I really do perk up and pay attention to what he's saying when he says it. Um, do, have you had clients and, and I asked this only because I was, I would have been this guy where they come in needing a lot of help, but at the same time, know exactly what to do. That isn't necessarily what you would tell them. Like, have you talked about like changing people's mind takes a while. It's slow. It's not overnight. It's mm -hmm. not saying two words. How do you address that with people? If they come in and they're like, I need a lot of help. I need you to keep me accountable. And I know I should be intermittent fasting. Honestly, it's, it's, it's hard to answer because I try and be as trustworthy and transparent as possible. And I think a lot of the time it's in just really good communication and setting expectations forward. And a lot of people that come in and kind of are like, you know, I need this, I need this now, or have just so unrealistic expectations, you know, it's gotta be that conversation where it's like, okay, well, we're here now and we're going to do it. And if, for example, someone who is like, I need to do intermittent fasting to lose weight. It, it's all context dependent. So obviously it'd take a deeper conversation, but a lot of the times I might just have that person start with a fasting diet, because they're probably going to adhere to that much better than if I just try and flip it and have them do a completely, you know, completely different style of meal timing. Right. Because adherence, I think is just overall the number one thing after mindset, you know, that you're going to have to worry about changing. Like those are the biggest pieces that you really have to worry about is mindset and adherence. So I'd probably start them with whatever they could adhere to best. Now, if they had you know, been convinced about intermittent fasting and they could not do it for longer than a week and they've been trying for a year, maybe I'd have that conversation and start to, you know, just kind of explain the reasoning of why they might be noticing the things they know, or, you know, try and explain their arguments to themselves yeah. about what's really happening. And then hopefully they'll gain the understanding to, to explore at least what might work better for them, or maybe gain confidence that that is the best option for them in those different kind of aspects. So I think it depends on the person, but a lot of the time it's, it's setting expectations of like, Hey, you're going to come in this. I know this is what you've tried in the past, but like your expectations can't be right because you're here right now, right. you know? So let's shift expectations. I'm telling you, this is correct. And if you don't want to believe me, you don't have to, but you're here now. And you know, this is what I've been doing. This is the thousands of people I've helped do this that has worked. Maybe let's try and shift our expectations to something different because yeah. that same thing over and over again is just not going to change. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, even today, like I will come out of, um, the holidays and I will have the thought it will just pop into my head. Like before I get on the scale, 
I should just not eat carbs for a couple of days, which is completely irrational. And I recognize that. And I have to then go, what the fuck are you doing? What are you mm -hmm. talking about? You're trying to offset fat gain by losing water. So you see a good number. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I, but I also was the guy who would go in to see a nutritionist or a trainer with a plan and expect them like I did with Dr. Heizenga to go, you're right. That's the plan. And, mm. and then I would argue with them. And, and, you know, as a sober person, I believe that like the real change happens when we kind of let go of that stuff and go like, I'm, I'm not making this happen. And if I was, I wouldn't need help, but I need help. And I'm just going to kind of sh tell myself to shut up and get out of my way. Yeah. I think learning how to be coachable in that sense is one of the most important things. If you are approaching a coach, a doctor, a nutritionist, anything learning. And I think this is where people get a little scared of. If you go into a doctor or nutritionist and you're like, this is what I need. And they tell you to do something completely different. I think, again, that's a communication, com communication misstep on potentially their end, where if they're not giving you a solid enough reasoning for you to believe that that's the right thing to do, then maybe there's not a deep enough reason for, for why that is, you know, like if I'm going to tell someone to do something completely different, I'm not just going to say, Hey, you know, you've been doing intermittent fasting. Here's this new meal plan, follow yeah. this and you'll lose weight because they're not going to believe in it. They might follow it for your few days, but if they don't know why they're doing it, zero chance they stick to it, especially if they think something previous is right. So I think that's when people are like, have a hard time letting go and really being coachable or like kind of that student mindset. I think the biggest and most comfortable thing, because I'm a huge advocate of coaching in any aspect, right? Like I've had over, I think 15 coaches in the last 10 years in different aspects of training that I want to get deeper knowledge on or endocrinology or in business or whatever it is, but it's, it's dropping that you think, you know, you're right. And realizing, okay, this person knows more than me here. But then too, if you get scared of that, you can ask why as many times as you want. And if you have a good coach, if you have a good mentor, they should be able to make that clear where you are so comfortable with that reasoning, where something clicks and makes sense. Maybe they show you something that you just couldn't see before. It was a blind spot, you know? Cause I think a lot of the times, if you go in saying fasting is what I got to do, and you're just looking for someone to support that, it might just be because you have a blind spot and whoever is kind of prescribing something else isn't making that blind spot clear enough. Yeah. You know, how vital do you think that having another person is because, uh, and I, I asked this because I do think there are a lot of people who don't have another person and whether it be somebody they are hiring or just, just somebody to talk to. I think that there are a lot of people who are trying to do this in a vacuum, whether it's due to shame or accessibility or, or yeah. what, what do you think about having just a, a, another person to be accountable to and, and also to talk this stuff through with? Yeah. And I think the accessibility piece is huge because it's, it's, uh, it's easy for me to say like, Oh, everyone should have a coach when I, you know, can support myself financially. I live in a pretty social city like San Diego and I've just met a lot of people. It's, it's easy for me to connect to different coaches and I, I'm not struggling with where I'm at, but for someone who's been struggling and might live in a more isolated place, doesn't have as many relationships. I think having some form of external accountability or surrounding, if you're in that feeling where you feel stuck is massively important, massively, massively important, but that doesn't always mean a coach or a mentor. Because I mean, one, you might not be able to financially afford something like that. 
But I think if you can't finding those, you know, ties in, if it's through how you surround yourself with books or podcasts or who you're constantly listening to, I think that's just as valid almost as a surrounding, you know, people always say like, you are the average of your five closest friends. And people are like, well, I don't have friends. I can't make friends that are like that. It's like, okay, we'll spend time with listening to better podcasts with people who you want to be like, or reading better books or spend, you know what I'm saying? Like those still, I think count as external ties. And I feel like some people feel stuck because I mean, I've been there in my life. I'm like, my friends aren't really supporting where I want to go, but I don't, I can't just snap my fingers and have five new great people (laughs) that are where I want to go. So I think it's, it's massive to have it, but sometimes you have to get creative and take steps of, you don't have to go all or nothing and hire the most expensive person you can find, you know? And to to your point, I I actually was listening to uh, Andrew Huberman. You know who he is? Oh, love him. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. And, and he was talking about like the, um, the, the daily musts and he's really into sunshine and getting a Mm. lot of sleep and all of this. But then he actually said something that surprised the hell out of me. He was talking about the social aspect of our daily life And he even said that even if you're just doing this on social media to surround, to make sure that the content you're getting and the people you're interacting with are positive will make a big difference in your life. So I I, I was surprised that that even could play a role. But I think to your point, like, okay, we are living in a, you know, a, a time that's very, very different than when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it was the only way you had an interaction was on a telephone or yeah. in person. That was it. There was no other or writing mm-hmm. somebody a letter, which took weeks in some <laughs> yeah. you know. But like, so in this day and age, a lot of our socializing is done through vias like you and I are doing. We're not sitting in the same room. We're 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 across we're on either sides of a country right now, but we're yeah. having a conversation. So However, that's happening. I, I think you're right. I think that um, we kind of have to adapt to our current environment, which is a lot of this shit is happening digitally and, and virtually. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, a further point, like great point that you make of even who you it's you are what you kind of constantly consume. So if you're even if you are listening to maybe great podcasts, that's, again, another form of just consuming. If you're scrolling on social media and you're following people who I don't like to overuse the word like toxic, but people who are feeding ideas that go directly against what you, you know, maybe your morals are or where you want your morals to be. That still counts. If you're just constantly swiping and consuming that unfollow. I think I do this like once a year, usually when I finally see something, I'm like, just roll my eyes a hundred times. I'll just unfollow like a thousand people. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I need, I need a little refresh, but same yeah. thing. If you just constantly surround yourself with at least what you can for the time being, I think it just compounds over time where maybe not by next week or next month, but maybe by next year, if you just start by following very positive, forward-thinking, creative, non-judgmental people and listen to great accounts and great podcasts, I think people would be shocked with where they are and who they are as a person a year from now. Yeah. You know, because I mean, that's ultimately what you're trying to do. And I hate the, I think I've even heard you talk about it before like this, but like, I hate the term. Uh, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle or changing your lifestyle. Yeah. But I mean, essentially, if you, especially if you're going from a complete 180, you're kind of killing the person that you were and almost rebirthing and having to create a brand new person. So creating that person is very challenging, but yeah. you got to fill in every gap of that lifestyle to create that person. That's on what they consume on a daily basis. Yeah. And that's the, that's a very tricky point because, um, 
I spent a lot of time. And again, it's tricky. It was tricky for me. Maybe somebody else can figure this out overnight and then they're fine. But I spent a lot of time either trying to change one aspect of my diet to completely solve myself. And that would be mm. like, well, I'm just going to consume liquids, nothing solid. Okay. Mm. Or I'm not going to consume carbohydrates. Or there was even a period where I was like, I'm not going to consume fat outside of like whatever's in a chicken breast with no skin on it. Right? That's all. The <laughs> yeah. fat. And, and I felt like shit doing that too. Mm. Um, and then the flip side was I'm going to be a completely different person tomorrow. And neither one of these things worked. They, they, they just couldn't, they were not sustainable. And so it was really kind of a trial and error thing of like knowing I have to drastically change my life, but it's also okay if it takes a while, because I don't know what that looks like. If I knew what that looked like today, I would just do that and it wouldn't be hard, but I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. I think, the, I mean, you nailed it there and it's come back down to expectations, you know, like you walk 10 miles in the forest you got to walk 10 miles out. So people right. that take and build their lifestyles, if it is to get to the point of where they are very overweight or wherever they are, maybe it's with eating disordered or disordered eating, maybe it's anywhere else, but they think that change is going to happen. And it's like, it took probably months, if not years, if not decades to get you from point A to point B where you are right now. It, it, it you know, I think there's maybe depending on how long it's not going to take you as long, but I mean, expect that. If it took five years for you to gain 80 pounds, don't expect to lose it in anything less than that. And you might, you might be able to, but don't expect to, because again, creating who you are, it takes so freaking long. And like yeah. you said, when you're going through it, trying to change one aspect, it's like, you kind of, you, you're expecting that one thing to change everything. And it's not how it works most of the time. No, it never, it never worked for me. And it, and it was like getting sober, you know, like, it took me many instances to realize like I needed some new friends. Uh, and then there were times where it was like, well, I'm not talking to anybody I know now I'm going to mm -hmm. wake up and be sober tomorrow. And everybody I know is now off the list of like, I cannot talk to them. And then it was like, well, that's fucking miserable too. I, yeah. none of those people are safe. None of those people want me to stay sober. That's not true. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, it was just, it's just not something I found to be an anything that could change in a day didn't do it. And, and if I look at my life today versus what my life was even five years ago, it's night and day different. It's just night and day different, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like you said five years ago, you know, but if you look to last week, it's like, how much has really changed? Nothing, not that much. nothing I'm aware <laughs> of, you know, other than yeah. like Huberman says that I can have great social interaction. Online. <laughs> yeah. That's right. All that's I got new... from that. But exactly because that, right. That's how change. And I don't think there's been a, a single week along that five-year journey that you probably could have looked back and like, oh man, I'm completely different than I was a week ago. No, right. because that's not ever, ever how it works. So I think you, you nail it on the head with how change works. I think honestly, it becomes more comfortable when you accept that fact of, this is going to take a long time because tell me, you probably felt like this when you were going through a lot of initial diets before you saw lasting success, like most people do, is they are so zoomed in where if they screw up one day, if they screw up one meal, the world ends. You know, yeah. it's like, screw this. I'm a failure. I'm this, I'm that. Where if you accept this isn't going to happen for three, five more years, who cares if you mess up a day? Right. You know, like, like you're like, oh, well, I've only got like thousands more to, to nail it, right. you know? And I think you, you can find data to support that too. And habit formation, it's like, it'll take 66 days on it, but anywhere up to 300 days to form a new habit, depending on what you're doing. 
And they even find it doesn't matter if you miss a day here or there, you'll still form the habit as long as you just jump on. Yeah. You know, I think it takes a huge weight off your chest. The thing for me, that's like a real red line, which I've even done it and then had to go immediately and talk to somebody about it. Mm -hmm. For me, it's been um, uh, consuming food in private, like sneaking food like that. I, I, that will start to change my behavior. And so like when that happens, it, again, it's like, to your point, I can't go like, well, I, I just was in the pantry and my hand went into the bag of, you know, chocolate pieces that my wife uses for cookies that I'm not supposed to eat (laughs) and came out and my mouth was full with chocolate. And now I'm not telling anybody. Um, But I do have to set lines uh, for myself, but then they, they, they even are um, pliable in a way like, you know, if, if, if I'm in Dallas Fort Worth airport, which is like kind of in the middle of where I spend my time on either mm-hmm. coast and uh, my flight is delayed by six hours and there's no food and the only thing that's open, you know, you know what I mean? Under that circumstance, it's like, I got to cut myself some break, yeah, some slack. And that's not going to carry over to the next day. But, but I, but I am pretty big on like, for me, I I feel like abstinence because I was sober first has played such a big role in my life and, and who I am that it's just the way I think about stuff. So it's like either, or which then you can't do with food. And so I try, I try to find some other lines. Like really the biggest one for me is I'm not sneaking shit. I'm not doing something that I wouldn't want my wife to see me doing. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's my whole line. And if, I do do something and I think I'm glad she wasn't here to see that. I go and tell her that's it. Yeah. That's what keeps me sane. Well, it's a good guy. It's it's nice to have those guiding rules and questions to ask yourself. Cause I think there, it's, again, a lot of it lies in the gray, but if you have like a black and white viewpoint on things, those questions are so nice. Cause that, that's a yes or no question. Yeah. If I, if I'm regretting it, cause I would have hidden it from her. That's wrong. I got to go do this. And a lot of the times it'll probably prevent that action in the first place. Right. Right. It makes it black and white, even though, you know, it's, it's a way of finding gray, even though you kind of have that black and white mindset, which a lot of people do for so many different reasons, like your own. That makes a lot of sense that that's how your brain operates. But that's a nice way to kind of fit in the gray without fully going, you know, in the middle (laughs) somewhere, which is absolutely huge. So I think those questions are huge for people. And it could be something as simple as that. Like, am I hiding this from my wife? I don't think people think of it like that. Right. I think, is this good or bad? And, you know, we know that those simple definitions don't work. So oh yeah, so that's a different conversation, but those guiding questions of would I feel bad or would I regret this if my wife saw me doing this? That's yeah. huge. You know, yeah. those are questions like that are huge. I, I the, the moral, the moralization of food is so odd to me because I, I get into like, um, it's such an absolute, which I'm so repulsed by anyway, but like, if it's absolutely bad, would it be absolutely bad for a starving child? Would it be absolutely bad for somebody who's utterly malnourished? Is it then absolutely bad? Is it absolutely bad for the CEO of the company who's producing it? I'm sure that person doesn't think it's absolutely bad. I'm sure the starving child. So how, if I can just come up with situations or instances on my own where the thing itself is not absolutely bad, how is it then absolutely bad? It's not. Yeah. And it's, it stinks because when you really break it down and ask why behind it, like how you got to that conclusion, it's, it's, you know, there's entire eating disorders, orthorexia that are 
focused on obsessively eating only healthy or good foods. Really? Yeah, it's a diagnosable eating disorder. And it's very, very real and more prevalent, especially younger people today. And I think, I mean, it, it honestly, it sucks, but it's because of how loose regulations are, I think, in this industry, especially supplement and weight loss industry, where you can pretty much market whatever you want. Right. And I mean, it's it's in everything from head to toe. I mean, the, we just we're talking and digging deeper into like just the organic title of foods. And I think most people choose organic over inorganic, you know, even studied, most people would just say, yeah, that's better for you. And even when you look deeper into it, I think it was Dan Glickman was his name. And this was like Clinton administration long time ago. He was the secretary of agriculture who oversaw bringing in organics uh, or organic designation. And even he was quoted by saying like, this is not a statement about food safety, nor is organic a value of judgment, uh, value of judgment about nutrition or quality of the food. It's not about any of that. It's about fortifying trust between farmers. That's all that the organic label was made for, not to put better food, healthier food, safer food. Like definition, the person who put that into place was like, no, it's not about that. But people still today will spend double the paycheck eating, you know, whole foods, only organic in this aspect. And it just kind of trickles down everywhere to where people are afraid of good and bad food. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I I have a friend of mine, wife's who will come to our house and like give us a 10 minute lecture because she'll see like canola oil spray in our pantry. And it becomes Mm -hmm. this thing of like how we're part of the problem with America because we bought this canola oil spray. And I'm like, look, I, 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 I use one quarter of one second squirt on a pan so that my shit doesn't stick to it. And I don't ruin my pan. Like cut me a break here. (laughs) The majority of my fats are coming from vegetables and lean meat. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's, it's people. And again, people like, like will lecture you and die on this hill with something. I'm guessing if they truly understood the problem, like wouldn't be a conversation in the first place, you know, like people will jump on and, and lecture people and die and, and do this. And then like, even just look at your health as a whole. And even if you are just trying to lose weight or your health as a whole, so many, I mean, countless things go into it from your sleep quality, your daily activity, your stress, your diet, your training, your micros, your macro, everything goes into it is one spray of canola oil possibly going to have any measurable negative health effect. No, like you can't, if people are like, this is bad for you, show me where, right. Can I measure it in any way? And the answer is always no, because something that small can't possibly impact your health like that. So that's, that's the conversation that always comes down as I'm like, if it's, if it's bad for you, it's like, where is it bad for me? Like, show me where it is. Yeah. And that's always the answer that never exists. Yeah. And if uh, if two ta- tomatoes are biologically identical, but one was farmed in a way that farmers could trust each other, what's the difference there? It's the same thing. Yeah. And it, it, that's the funny part, because I'm like, that's people get like upset about it. I'm like, why would you want to trade off like happiness? Because someone else is eating a, t- a tomato <laughs> that doesn't right. have an organic label. I'm like, it doesn't seem like a great life to be to be put in, you know, Yeah, I made the mistake of doing, I did these cooking videos and I, I still do them, I guess, but I, of taking the seeds out of a tomato, which I, I just don't like anything being too watery. Like watery mm-hmm. is not my thing if it's on. Yeah. So I take the seeds out and the, and the, the jelly and shit that surrounds the seeds. And somebody was like, you need to explain to people that you're doing that to save their lives because of lectins. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I just don't like the shit, the water. I, that's all. Yeah. 
it's simple like that. And again, it's to the same point. It's like, ask the person, like, can you define what a lectin is? And most of the time the answer is going to be no. And that's always the funniest, you know, pace that kind of comes down to it. But it's, it's learning how to navigate this industry, which again, why I think education is so important in that aspect, because, and I mean, if you look at it like a game and sometimes I get lectured by my girlfriend that I shouldn't treat everything like a game, mm-hmm. but I'm like, you know, cause in a game, even just knowing the rules, like golf, I haven't golfed for a long time. I don't know if you golf, but it's a simple analogy where if you just know the rules of the game, you could easily save several strokes oh, right? okay. between the different penalties, anything like that. You could easily do it just by knowing the rules. Same right. thing about when you see like great coaches in football or basketball or anything, you can get better at it. But like when it comes to our health, if you see it like a game, knowing how to navigate and knowing who to trust and knowing how to do this, it's not going to save you a couple of like points or strokes. It's like, this can save you years on your life and not even just years, but decades of quality on your life. You know, it's like someone going to be wiping your butt for you for the last 10 years, or are you going to be able to go on a hike or go to the beach with your grandkids? You know, it's, it's, which I don't think is an understatement. I don't think people realize what's truly at stake when it comes to learning how to just tell who to trust in this industry. Yeah. Tony, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, man, of course. And now for the Q&A. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. We have a question from someone who says they'd like to be anonymous. So Okay. Hello, and thank you for your question, Anonymous. This person says, I would like advice about how to talk to my boyfriend about his health. We've Mm. been dating for about one year and we have very different habits when it comes to food and diet. He works an office job and has a very sedentary lifestyle and he vapes. His daily meals consist of burgers, fried foods, desserts, and candy. We are both in our mid thirties and his lifestyle has finally started to catch up with him in the form of weight gain, blood pressure issues, and prediabetes. He also has a family history of heart disease. When we have discussed his health, he doesn't seem very concerned or interested in changing. 
And with his family history of heart attacks, I feel like I'm watching a suicide in slow motion. I have completely changed my lifestyle in the past few years, so I understand what a huge shift it is in mindset. I know the motivation to change has to come from within him, and it stresses me out to watch him continue to make choices that will further harm his health. I love him, and I only want the best for him. I go back and forth between trying to encourage him and just surrendering to the fact that it is his life and his choice. Any advice on a partner's role or responsibility in this situation? Yeah, this is a great question. Let's talk about this. So I will say that um, all of the conversations had with me, uh, even going back to when I was very young about people's concern for me due to my weight, then later due to drugs, then to my weight again, you know, I, I, I would say that they, they had no real impact. Um, however, possibly the totality of them at some point, uh, weighed on me once I had made the decision on my own, Um, but I do think there's some room for when you're in a partnership with someone to get some kinds of agreements about health. Uh, for instance, I would love to smoke cigarettes. That's really not cool with my wife. It's not cool with my kids. And, you know, and there is some part of my logical self with which thinks smoking is not cool and, and not the, the thing to do. And so like, but, but I can't say that if I wasn't, uh, if I wasn't married and didn't have kids, I'm pretty sure I would be a smoker. Um, so I do think it's, it's totally fair to sit down with your partner, somebody you're setting your life up with and go like, here are my needs and wants from you. And I'm having a hard time with, with what you're doing. And it, and it, and it's uh, making me concerned for our future simply because, you know, in, in, I'm assuming this is a gal, it might not be a gal, but in anonymous, own words, she feels like she's watching a suicide in slow motion. Now, if you, if, if you are, if, if this partner was literally trying to kill myself, kill themselves. I'm sure you would feel totally justified in saying something and having a conversation with them. So if it is, if it does seem that serious to you, I I don't see, you know, just sitting on that, um, and, and internalizing it can't be healthy and productive. I, I think you're well within your rights to have a conversation and to let them know just how serious you think it is and what the repercussions that you're concerned with are and to um, establish at least some kind of a baseline agreement for um, the, the kind of health that we can have an effect on ourselves, right? Like, you know, um, there's, there's lots of types of illnesses that we can't, we just can't, um, we don't know enough about to like really safeguard, but, Certainly with blood pressure do uh, as a, a side effect of obesity or smoking, you know, we can take some steps to mitigate that. And so I think you're well within your rights. You know, 
it'd be kind of like if you got together with somebody and and you had this uh vision of who they were and then the next thing you knew you know they they had a a a job and the next thing you knew they said they wanted to you know quit their job and go you know do something else which was completely uh foreign to what your idea of who they were was i mean that'd be a conversation right if 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 he is behaving in a way that was not who he was but also she says she again i'm assuming it's a she but this person she says she yeah it, um i believe there is i don't think she ever said she was a she it could be a dude who knows anyway that yeah, doesn't matter um the the they say that uh they made some health changes so like when you entered into this relationship were you both kind of unhealthy and now that you've gotten healthy you want him to get healthy that's a kind of a tougher conversation i think right because um you made this change for whatever reason without i would assume sitting down with him and going look i want to have a really long life with you here's how i see our life going and therefore i'm going to make these changes it doesn't sound like you did that it sounds like you made these changes and now you're looking at him and going like i want him to make these changes also so that's a, a tougher conversation but it's still f totally fair like um I, I wouldn't you know if my wife started to do something that or or if i you know, woke up one morning and realized that my wife was doing something that uh, was shown to be unhealthy, I would have to have that conversation with her. And like when my wife and I got together decades ago, she never mentioned health to me at all. It wasn't really a factor in the beginning of our relationship. I, I came to her at one point and said, I need help with this. Now, decades later we had had kids um i'd been working on my weight for a long time and then there was one point i think just after shooting wolf of wall street in 2012 or 2013 when i was like fuck this i'm gonna get fat again this staying thin is just awfully hard and exhausting and i don't like it and i'm gonna get fat again and i put on weight and she didn't care she really didn't care but what she did care about was I had to have surgery on my uh, – I ruptured a, my bicep tendon and what was going to be a very simple outpatient procedure. Um, I was told because of my weight at that point, I had to do it in a hospital and she did not like that. And she said, listen, I don't care what you weigh because of how you look. I love you. But – this concerns me. The fact that you have to go into to a hospital because you're so heavy that you can't have this surgery at an outpatient place, like that's not cool with me. So I want you to get your weight under whatever that number is and keep it there um, because that's where the hospital, the, the medical industry determines some level of health and safety with simple little operations. And I was like, that is beyond reasonable. Um, 
and 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 it didn't it wasn't it didn't affect me in the same way as my parents sitting me down as a kid and saying you need to lose weight or my friends saying they were concerned for me it was a rational conversation i had with my wife so i believe that that is a fair conversation you could have with your partner absolutely and this is such a can be a tricky topic and you do you know you've been through this in a couple different ways so i yeah i i I think um, I hear where this anonymous person is coming from and um, wish them, you know, luck and being able to like find the right in, you know, like what you're talking about is that was like a, that, you know, and sometimes people aren't ready to change until they're ready, but yeah, just, just, you know, somebody going, Hey, you can't go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, but look like, you know, you get together with somebody when you're teenagers and it's all drinking and partying and then you grow up a little bit and you're like, what do I want out of life? I don't want mm -hmm. drinking and partying. And your partner continues to drink and party and is like, no, this is me. You know, maybe you have to reevaluate if they're the right partner. And right. if you're if you're trying to have this conversation with them and they're shrugging it off like it's not very serious it's kind of on you to present to them however serious it is for you. Yeah. And it's also on you to decide if there is no change, if it's the right partnership for you. If at the end of the day, you love this person despite their, you know, self-inflicted health issues, then maybe you don't say anything. Um, but if it's having, if it's having a real um, impact on you, you talk to them and you paint the picture in such a way that they get the severity of it. Yeah. Well, anonymous, let us know, uh, you know, how it goes. It's always nice to hear back from people, by the way, and just, you know, to know like how it's gone. So thanks for that answer, Ethan. I found that to be helpful too. And if anyone I else would has love to hear how anon if the, if anonymous has this conversation, how it goes. Yeah. Also, can we just call her Jane, right? Jane Doe, but that's gender. We don't know if it's a female now, we've decided. So let's just say Joe because of that could be Joe either. could be either one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've now given Anonymous a name. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we could call them Sue because Sue, you know, a boy called Sue. You could oh, right. call him Sue. Okay, good. If you have a question for Ethan to answer on this podcast, you can email it to us anytime at AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>